It sounds like we're slightly hemming up for the microphone, but then, I mean, everyone kind of does. Like, it's rare that you catch, like, authentic, funny moments. Not unless we had a microphone on us 24 hours where we forget the microphone's on us and then you catch authentic moments. Yeah. Yeah, but then that's reality then. podcast. I don't want to be involved in that. No, no. Uh, that's that's an idea, and I'm pretty sure someone's going to do it because it's yeah. quite easy. Yeah. Just put a mic on you in a, in a Zoom. Hey, Darren Lake here with Master of Summer, a podcast about health and fitness served up as a metaphor for life. This episode, we have co-host Phil Cross telling us his story about the time he rode his bicycle around the world with his partner. Yes, he rode his bicycle around the world. This is something of great interest to me and something I might try in the far off future. We dive into a lot of things around bike touring, safety, different cultures, foods, and more. And uh, while I've got you, if you could subscribe, rate, and comment on this episode with, I don't know, your favorite quote or a random thought or something, that would be really, really appreciated. Uh, Quick warning, there is some adult language, so be careful around who you listen to this with. Let's get into it. All right, Mr. Phil Cross, you, good sir, toured the world via your bicycle. I did. And that is pretty damn awesome because that's something that I heard about a few years ago. I Googled it and saw that people ride their bike around the world. And I was like, first off, that's not possible. Then I realized that you take boats to get around the world and to cross over big seas. Boats and planes boats to get, and over, boats and planes, to get yeah. over water and war zones. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yo, that's cool. And that's actually the first thing you told me when we met. One of the first things you told me, and I was I was very wild by it, and you downplayed it. And I thought you downplaying it was a testament to how cool you are and how humble you are as a person. And I also was like, I need to extract information out of this guy, find out what it's like. And you did it with you did it with your, your wife, which I is did. really cool. Not wife, we're not married. We're just we're 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 solid. We've been together like uh, over ten years now. Oh shit. Yeah, but no, not not. I thought she was your wife. No, not married. That's cool. Yeah. That's even cooler. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I, you, I'm learning more about you as we, as we go along. All good. Cool. So yeah, man. This podcast is obviously about that. Someone would have said something in the beginning of this to kind of prep this. Yeah. We're going to jump into the deep end. I'm not going to even ask you the why and the what's just yet. Sure. I'm going to ask you actually the end of the journey question. If you had to do it again, what would you change in 160 characters or less? Plan less at the start. So we, um, uh, part of the planning was really fun. So as a as a man who enjoys toys, I got to buy like camping equipment and set up bikes for this trip, and that was that was all super fun. And we did a lot of research about the the routes we'd take and the countries we'd visit and 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 kind of, you know, planned out a bit of an itinerary. And we kind of abandoned it halfway through. Um, not not fully. Halfway through planning or halfway through the Halfway journey? through the trip. So okay. so we, we sort of followed a rough structure. Um, and then we were just like ah and, and kind of went a bit more went a bit more freeform and went a bit off off map. Um off and, piste. Yeah, and, and I think we probably would have done that from the beginning had we know what we know now. I think if we go on another trip we'll have a rough idea in our head of what countries to visit. Mm-hmm. And you've got to plan a ahead a little bit to a certain extent um insofar as you've got to get visas for certain countries and, and things of that nature but 
I think there's a lot of room just to just to go with the flow, and we met a lot of people doing just that. And I think if there was one thing I'd change, it'd be that. But to be honest, we had a fucking awesome time, so I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, what's the, you know, you don't want to tread on the on the butterfly that ends the world kind of thing. <laughs> cool. So if kind of piggybacking on that question, if you met someone in an elevator and you had a quick conversation with them, and they were like, "Oh wow, I'm about to do that," what advice would you give them then? Same thing. If they're about to bike tour, yeah, yeah, um, don't don't sweat the details. Um, get some get some half decent. Get the best equipment you can. Oh, I say this. I say get the best equipment you can because it'll take a lot of the stress out of it. So we had like next to no mechanicals, hardly any punctures. All the gear functioned well. Did your spokes break? That's a big one. Uh, no, no, oh, spoke, cool. no spokes broke. Um, yeah, the bikes performed flawlessly. We didn't have many punctures. Um, and because we geared up well, um. But we met people doing it on like rickety hundred dollar bikes they bought in France and strapped shit to the back of them. So you, you don't have to, but I'd say if you do have the money, um, it'll take a lot of the stress out of your trip if you if you gear up appropriately. Um, that and then then don't sweat it. The 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 world will provide. Um, it's it's remarkably easy to get around and and survive and thrive on the road. What did you do exactly? I only know from our conversation that you toured the world. So, what did you do? And then we'll get we'll kind of do the what, why, when, where, and hows. I'll I'll do that also. What did you do? Yeah, sure. I, I say bike toured around the world, but what actually was it? So we um, we rode from the UK. So we rode we set off from London. We literally like left the front door of our house um with our bikes so you were living in london at the time. so we were living in london at the time mm-hmm. we rode to the south coast of uh, of the uk so uh to, to weymouth i believe um god it's been a while yeah I, th- I think it was uh we got the ferry over to france um and we from there navigated our way um from uh, spent six seven weeks in france going sort of um uh down the west coast and then across the uh, across the pyrenees at the bottom spain italy slovenia hungary bulgaria romania um turkey iran Nepal, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Australia. So it was about 18,000 kilometers all up that we rode over eight months. That's about Um, 11,000 miles. Do you metrically and disinclined handicapped folks out there i.e americans yeah americans um well to be honest i had to get used to kilometers as well because we were living in the uk where everything was in miles oh, I, was, yeah. I was used to miles before i set off and then no 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 no, no, no. hold on hold on so in the london town which is the, yeah the, the, the uk as we've said, miles go back to Episode road, one, I think. Road signs and shit are in miles they're in miles your speedometers in miles per hour yeah I've heard that people do kilometers and miles, though. Like, so you you you, yeah. you measure speed with miles per hour, but you measure distance with kilometers. 
Oh, it's it still, depends on where you are and who's talking. Yeah, I think it's slowly moving towards kilometers. Because you got, I mean, you have to deal with Europe. The rest yeah. of the actual. No, well, not for long. And we, oh, yeah. people in the UK decided oh, yeah. that, decided that, to that fuck thing that. that happened and then didn't happen and the, people forgot. We call that the unpleasantness. Um, <laughs> fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, this is not a political podcast, and uh, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, it's all um, good. It's all good. Love to everyone. Um, so we, yeah, so we set off. We we cycle for about eight months. The only reason we really cut it short was because um, my visa to get into Australia um, came through when we were on the road, and it basically said you have to be in the country by this date. So uh, that was kind of the arbitrary end of the uh, end of the trip for us. So this was uh, about six years ago. Yeah, yeah. So this is six. when you first came into Australia. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I've been in Australia six and six years and change now, and this was, uh, yeah, this was this was um, this was well, basically our the, our way of getting to Australia from the UK. So um, my partner Kat, she's Australian. Um, we were living in London together. She wanted to she wanted to move home. I wasn't opposed to the idea of living in Australia, um, and we thought, what better time to take a take a little um, career break and a little time off? Um, so we. You know, saved up some cash, um, did a bit of planning, and yeah, that was our. When we were too too cheap to buy uh, plane tickets all the way here, so we uh, so we cycled. Nice, nice. Why why did you do it? What what was the driving desire? I mean, you just you just said a couple of things in that in that last sentence where you're like, why not do it? It was in between jobs and the big move, but yeah. what was the driving desire? Why? What's your why? We'd been we'd been fucking around with bike touring in the UK, um, just doing short trips, and like our first trips were sort of comically bad. Like we had like crappy, you know, old hybrid bikes, and we, you know, shitty panniers strapped to the back of them, and you know there were a calamity of punctures and equipment failures and things of that nature. But we had a blast just doing that. You yeah. know that that was kind of an adventure, and so we had. We knew we were going to do some traveling in between coming to Australia, and we originally had this this idea, which I wouldn't recommend. We were going to like get to Taiwan and then buy some cheap bikes there because Taiwanese you know, bikes are great. They're actually good. Oh, cool, Taiwanese bikes are are the good bikes. Chinese cool. bikes are the bad bikes. Yeah, I mean the, yeah. the like giants factories are all in Taiwan. I mean Taiwan yeah. makes like a large percentage of the world's bikes. So oh we yeah, were like shit, we could pick up some equipment there and we could we could tour the rest of the way. And it was like it was like oh we'll do some tour and then logistically that would have been a nightmare just knowing the amount of crap we accumulated to 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 do it properly and 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 really enjoy it um and then somewhere along the lines it was just like i think cat had the idea she was just like fuck it why don't we why don't we just cycle the whole way and i was like i'm down for that um so then we just um yeah it was the call to call to adventure how long did it take you said it was eighteen thousand kilometers how Uh, long eight months eight months yeah Cool. Yeah. And were you riding every single day or you took breaks? Oh, we took breaks. Yeah. So um, we'd sometimes we'd ride for like a week or 10 days without much of a break. And and it sounds it sounds a lot, but it's it's really not much of an athletic feat. You, your body adapts pretty, pretty quickly. You're not going at any kind of pace. You can knock out 90 kilometers, 100 kilometers a day without, you know, without really any incident. Um and yeah unless you're having to navigate some mountain ranges and even then you know we'd we'd ride in the pyrenees and do sort of three big pyrenean climbs in a day and like we'd be tired by the end of it but it's fine um and then yeah sometimes we'd just hunker down and stay a place for a few days some places we stayed for like a week 
Um, did so you like, did you camp anywhere? Did you bring camping here, or did you no we, car tour? We camped uh, for about I'd say two thirds of the trip. You so camped? yeah. Oh, so you brought camping here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, we, wow. we had Fully we had supported. we had stoves, say mag tent, oh, all that all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, through Europe, Europe's too expensive to stay in hotels and hostels and also they're kind of hard to find in like small towns and off the grid um you want that flexibility just to sort of pull up wherever and kind of you know make your make your home if you have to um so yeah we camped we camped all the way through europe i think we stayed in one place in europe so we um we we had a again one of those days i think this yeah it was in france we did three pyrenean climbs in the rain we met up with some belgian cycling tourists uh sorry um they were doing road riding and they had a van and they gave us water and chocolate and they were like oh we're staying in this pension house down there and we were just like fuck it we're gonna drop some coin and stay there <laughs> and we got there and this uh, and the belgian the belgian cyclists were amazing they were sponsored by a uh, by a beer uh, company orval oh, so nice. they just cases of this orval beer and this french food and like we got hammered with these belgian cyclists it was amazing uh, but yeah we we camped all the way through europe all the way through eastern europe um most of the way through turkey quite a lot in iran by the time we got to southeast asia though like the little guest houses and stuff are so frequent and so cheap you're like talking you know a few bucks a night kind of thing so we 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 kind of gave up on camping there plus it's fucking hot and it was horrible staying in the tent we had a good british tent which is made for the made for the cold (laughs) and and, and not for the uh not for uh sweltering southeast asian humidity yeah speaking of weather when when did you do this when uh what time of the year if it was eight months when did you start um I think I want to say it was like June-ish, so it was like British summertime. Okay, so yeah, Northern Hemisphere summer. Yeah, yeah. Because right. by the June time we got to, you... so then you got to Asia and it was winter, but you were in the hot parts of Asia. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't never... like snowing. There's... Was it in Asia? There's no places to snow. Well, snows in Japan. Yeah, not in. Not it gets in... cold in China. Oh, it does, yeah. It gets fucking cold in China. I've been to Harbin, not on this trip, but like northern China. I've been to Harbin, like the ice festival. They yeah. make they make fucking entire buildings out of ice. It's wicked. No, no, no. The Southeast Asia gets a pretty much rainy season and not rainy season. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, my geography's <laughs> off. I've never been to Asia. I am an American. Yep. Stupid yep. American. I'm just I'm <laughs> generalizing blanket statement. Yep. All Americans don't understand geography at all. Yep. So, yep, I'm one of them. Uh, so you tell me where... Blah, blah, blah. Um, actually, camping. I do have a question, which yeah. uh, I'm not a big camper. I've camped a couple of times in the woods. Yeah. I've never just camped in a random farm just because it scares me. Sure. Because I've never done it. So I have a fear because of the unknown. Yep. What crazy experiences did you possibly have or or let me rephrase that did you have any did you have any weird experiences camping because i just feel like when you're asleep you're unconscious and you're unprotected and you're you basically have no door no security system someone could come in they see a tent in a random place or what was your strategy behind it did you camp in a camping site like even then i feel like there's there's weirdos i i I don't trust humans yeah okay um (laughs) (laughs) i mean the camping sites i mean we camped a lot in the uk anyway and uh, no the camping sites throughout europe when we stayed in proper camping sites but you always stayed in a camping site or did you just like park in the middle of the not always if we had the opportunity to because they're pretty cheap and and you know uh, some people wild camped 
a lot. Um, is that what? So what, that's, that's what I'm the, talking about. Is wild camping? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's the that's the sort of part. So you like knock on a farmer's door. You go, can I sleep on your land? And they go, yeah, sure. Or or not even that. Some people uh-huh. just some people just park. You know, find a find a spot in a field or the woods or whatever, and and just camp up. Like, um, we didn't want to be gross. Like, we liked showers and mm. and and you know all the rest of it. So the so. campsites had the showers. Yeah, okay. yeah, all yeah. Right. So where possible, we'd pull up a campsite, and we almost always found one, especially in like Western Europe, like mm-hmm. France and Spain and Italy and places like that. Um, Eastern Europe, we had to be a bit more flexible. Um, once we got to Turkey, Turkey actually was was amazing. Like petrol stations. Now this sounds weird, right? Petrol stations in Turkey all have this like little forested glade out the back, and the Turkish people are, are wicked. You pull up at a petrol station in Turkey, they will rush out, they will bring you the sweet tea. Uh, <laughs> it's like, can we camp back there? They're like, sure. And also, there are showers there that the truck drivers use. You can use those, and then they'll bring you blankets and apples and stuff. Really? Oh, they were the nicest. They, were, cool. they were so cool. Um, and then yeah, we did some wild camping. We'd we'd just find a spot that was just uh, you couldn't see us, uh, you know, off the side of the road. So in in Iran, we'd just in the desert, we'd just find a sand dune and camp behind it. Cool, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Any crazy nutrition stories? I I vaguely recall you talking about you found out that you were gluten intolerant on this trip, and um, this might have been pre Phil going deep on the the information biohacking end of your life. Yeah, uh, I, I think I was. Maybe, maybe I was, you knew it. Yeah, I was somewhere on that journey um, already in terms of uh, digging into nutrition. Um, were you Were you a seasoned of an endurance athlete as you are now back then? I hadn't done the distances. I'd done one half Ironman and a bunch of like Olympic distance um, okay. triathlons back in the UK. I'd done a couple of marathons. Um, so I'd done some stuff, but like I hadn't done as you know Ironmans and stuff like that or ultra marathons. So yeah, I was kind of starting my endurance journey, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was interesting in in Turkey and Iran. It's just bread, 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 bread. All like <laughs> there's so much bread, like kebabs and bread for breakfast. And you know, without going into graphic detail, my my guts didn't like it <laughs> like my tummy wasn't having a good time there and then we um so you you had like just, uh, i'm i'm big on being like real and raw you you had uh, i'm not gonna I call had, you out you had uh, some stomach issues and you were going to the bathroom a lot right yeah yeah so yeah. your stomach was being irritated I, oh, I by go, my my, yeah. my shits weren't good like, so, and, and that's <laughs> while you're riding you're like oh fuck i gotta go yeah shit. yeah oh yeah. that's not good especially being yeah. on random roads exactly you're not at home and you know oh there's a park right there that's right yeah so yeah. you're basically just shitting in the woods yeah from, that's not cool uh, no because there's not always woods where you're there's riding. not always woods yeah no. and, um, you, and you can't just <laughs> it, i mean it wasn't that bad i mean it's you know it wasn't chronic diarrhea the whole time but it yeah. was it was just like my stomach was not happy yeah um, Sorry, guys, for the the diarrhea sound effects. Because why not? You listen to an audio story. Why not? I'm going to put them in there. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then we got to then we got to Iran. Sorry, no. Then we went to Nepal. Um, we were meant to go to India, but we we spent too long in in Turkey and Iran, and the the visa had like four days left on it, and. India is a bureaucratic nightmare, so mm. extending the visa was just too hard to be yeah. bothered with. So we were like, okay, fuck it, we'll um, we'll fly to um, fly to Nepal instead and um, and do a little loop around there. So we got to Nepal, and then we were pretty much eating dal bat the whole time, which is just what is like that? like vegetable like vegetarian curry with rice. Cool. So and you could find this like any 
roadside um, little cafe along the way, and they give and they just keep giving you rice as well. And you know you're cycling. It's Nepal. It's quite hilly, so you're just cycling hundreds of kilometers through the hills, and you get to a lunch stop, and it's just curry and rice as much yeah. as you can eat. Zero problems. So I went from eating shitloads of bread to mm-hmm. basically a gluten free, you know, diet and. Uh, you know, Nepal's argued arguably arguably a little less sanitary than um, than uh, Turkey and Iran, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, zero zero tummy trouble. Um, cool. Yeah, so that that was kind of uh, a little lesson in 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 gluten intolerance. But it's the dose that makes the poison. You know, I can yeah. I can I can have the occasional piece of sourdough bread. Yeah, over here and nothing will happen. But I think it was just bread, bread, bread just mainlining bread all the time. Um, didn't do yeah, you, that's actually you've said this a couple of times, and um, I actually meant to tell you this, but we're, I'm always having a million conversations at once. Sure, I thought about that, and I can have once I have no gluten, or you know, I'm eating clean carbs or whatever I'm doing. Yeah, I'm cruising, and then I can have I call it like a cheat meal. Yeah, I can have a cheat meal every now and then. I feel fine. Yeah, but it's when and it was actually it was when I went to Tasmania a few weeks ago. I was eating garbage and more garbage. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Or you get the train going and you can't stop that motherfucker. Yeah. And it's like, I realize that then I feel like shit and then I just have to ax everything out and have like a two, three day cleanse, like pure cleanse. And then my body's back to normal. And then I can have, you know, oh, I'll have a sandwich here or you're at a party or at a wedding, whatever. And it's like, cool. And my stomach's fine. So yeah. that is that is very interesting. And there's probably some science behind that. Sure. That you could probably talk about in another nutrition episode. Yeah. And yeah. that might be a whole episode in itself. Yeah, we'll dig into that later. Yeah. What did you learn from this in multiple different ways? And you can take as long as you need on this or as short as you want. So we already, we already know what you learned nutrition-wise. Yeah. Did you, you you did tell me something about you trying to run afterwards and you felt like shit because you thought you'd have run fitness. Oh, Funny yeah. enough. Funny enough, actually. Yeah. So you know the, the IP... Indian Pacific wheel West, race wheel race yeah. yeah this guy was like oh just ran a 348 marathon guess all that cycling helped me and I was like 348 is not that fast it, well it's time. not that fast yeah <laughs> I mean the fastest <laughs> I ran is 405 so but anyway um, that's a whole nother really? that's a whole other podcast it's gonna be the journey to Darren running a 330 marathon and feeling good actually as of this weekend I just ran a 2 hour and 59 minute marathon I'm finally in the sub three-hour, two-hour marathon club, finally. And I was able to walk afterwards, um, mostly. I'm still healing from not being fully ready for the distance, but I maintained a steady pace. More on that another podcast. Uh, I did it, so yeah. That might be season two if we get there. No expectations. But um, yeah, I saw that and kind of laughed because I know from experience that cycling does not help your running fitness. It keeps you generally fit, but it's not going to, yeah. it's not going to help you crushed running like you're not gonna cycle for three months straight not run at all and then start running and feel good like you're gonna feel like shit i can guarantee that's the case what happened to you yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) like towards the end of the trip i was like oh start running again a little bit so yep had some expectation i'd be uh i'd be pretty sweet i was you know cycling hundreds of k's and nope 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 not at all um it was horrible um and then i mean the, the the run fitness comes fairly quickly back yeah, but, yeah um yeah it wasn't it wasn't there at all um well i i guess i'll ask a specific question did you see any body composition changes did you lose weight did you feel dehydrated were you able to eat kind of very high carb obviously you were eating a lot of curry and rice and then you 
didn't have any effects, like any weight gain or anything. Yeah, I, I remained fairly stable in terms oh. of uh, in terms of weight. Cat dropped a lot of weight. Um, she had some weird shit with um, craving salty food. So she she generally, as a rule, like the sweet, like you know, had a bit of a sweet tooth back in the UK. Not at all on the trip, and and she was, um, you know, she was sweating a fair amount and like salty sweating. You know, you could see it on the on the bibs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she was she was she was heavily craving. Uh, uh, like salty foods on the trip which was yeah which was interesting but no nothing i mean nutrition was was pretty loose like we were we were eating what we could yeah get a hold of that was relatively relatively nutritious and trying to get in some some vegetables and fruit and and things of that nature but we we really didn't worry about it too much um you know we we were doing so much physical movement that we could get away with quite a lot we had some really dis- <laughs> we had some really disgusting cheat no, not disgusting like just decadent like i remember once we stopped somewhere in france we like shared a pack of magnums and then had two croissants each and then two bottles of wine and then a piece of cake and then we just sat in the campsite it's like wow we're, we're pigs <laughs> <laughs> it was uh yeah um and then like most mornings again in france you could visit the boulangerie and get some get some croissants and and, and yeah it was um it's good times actually i'm getting myself nostalgic actually about but it. i haven't like i've been to france yeah and uh, you talking about that i went well france was nice and i actually remember like sitting at a cafe in the middle so of nice. paris and i was just like i'm eating a hard-ass baguette in paris at a cafe and i was like this is so nice and actually and I remember there was a person playing an accordion and I was like oh my god this is so fucking like (laughs) French right now and you actually you speaking about it I went Oh, now I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then it's funny because you got nostalgic at the same time I got nostalgic. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, So I guess speaking about culture yeah like you know French culture what especially the Middle East what could you say about learning about cultures or was there a favorite city of yours? Oh, our favorite country countries are countries are hot nepal was one of our favorite countries mm. super chill super lovely people beautiful place food was nice um uh, yeah i love nepal nepal was nepal was a highlight i think um people the middle east super hospitable mm. amazingly friendly um which is most western people think the middle east is going to be the worst no god no iran iran was the country where you know you tell some people you're going there and they're like oh my god you're gonna die yeah and, and it couldn't be safer or friendlier you you get to a town in iran and you're like oh you ask somebody so oh can you point me to the you know where's a some hotels around here and they're like no you're staying with us and, and you're the <laughs> you're the guest of honor and they cook a feast and they're That's lovely cool. in fact they're too friendly like to the extent where like oh my god we like we just need a night on our own so we'd camp in the desert like oh because like, wow. if you couldn't go somewhere without people wanting to adopt you because yeah. they're just so they're just so friendly and cool like it was really it was heartwarming it was really nice that's 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 awesome and i've heard before it was the 70s and this new regime came in iran actually was pushing a lot of art and culture yeah forward and they actually were like really cool yep up until the late 70s and then that new regime came in and that that super conservative government came in and that's why they became this whole like you know terrorist front and all that all that bullshit ended up happening but they used to be like 
how France is with, yeah. with culture and the arts. And and when I, I didn't know that, and when I found that out, I I was like, holy shit. And then Tim Urban from Wait But Why yeah. visited the Middle East. Um, he did that blog post where he he visited around and he said that I think he went to Iraq, and he was just talking about the Middle East. He's like, there were points where I was in the Middle East in like a mall, and I literally felt like I was in America. Yeah. Like, he's oh, just yeah. like, there was nothing, like, he's like, it was so modernized and westernized, and he's like, it's so, it's so fucked up that we as a culture, as a western culture, first world culture, yeah. I'm not saying they're not first world, but sorry, as a western culture, villainize them and make them seem like this, this, this almost subhuman, oh, you know, like, oh, like no, terrorist state, which is bullshit. It's, it's absolutely it's, bullshit. It's ridiculous. And the, the people there just couldn't be more curious, hospitable, um, and and they're almost a little bit paranoid about what you think about the country as well. Like mm. you know, the number one question is like, oh, so what do you think of Iran? And we're like, we think it's fucking wicked. Like <laughs> we we love it here. Um, and interestingly enough, about the you know the the kind of generational differences there, the the older generation, so people who are over fifty in in Iran, were actually some of the coolest people because they they lived there and they grew up before um you know before the regime change they. <clears throat> lived in Germany, lived in Holland, you know, traveled the world, super chill, super liberal. It was actually some of the some of the younger people that you 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 heard a bit of a harder line from. Mm. Um interestingly, we weren't um you know, as I said at the top of the podcast, you know, me and Kat not married, but we got a fake wedding ring. Uh like Kat, you know, we wore fake wedding rings in Iran just cuz it's it's just easier than explaining that, you know, we're together, we're committed, we're in a lasting relationship, but we don't quite believe in the institution institute of marriage because neither of us are particularly religious um that's not a conversation you want to bother having so it's yeah. just like it's just like you're married yeah sure, yeah that, sure. that makes sense sure yeah <laughs> like it, it, that's the same i know a gay couple that went to iran um sorry iran for a wedding um a friend's wedding and uh, two two males and they had to say they were friends because they couldn't like they couldn't get a hotel. Uh, how they I forgot how they framed. Yeah, it was like they had to get two beds. They just they just played along with it. They were like, we're not gonna try to yeah you know, try to defend but, our, <clears throat> our our ways. But super. But you know, it's like anything you repress something, it becomes uh it becomes it comes out in different ways. So yeah. my uh, we met a guy in um in Shiraz over there, which is a bit of a weird city actually bit of a weird vibe there it's still nice but like it was the weirdest city and um handsome guy like he was a professional professional uh, cyclist for a while as well mm. and um he kind of gave up on the sport because of the the doping and stuff he was like no i'm not into that um but he was there and like blonde dude like white as fuck like and he uh basically just got touched up by Iranian dudes all the time walking down the street and they'd like come up into him in parks and be like, I love you. <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, Oh, so there's this counterculture that's yeah. yeah. And and like even there it's like simple things like uh men holding hands all the time in a platonic way. Just like dudes walking down the street holding hands. Mm. Yeah. It's That's uh, cool. Sorry, the country yeah. was Turkey, not Iran. Oh, Sorry. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the country for the for my, my yeah. gay friends that. So I'm just conf I'm confusing my middle. Yeah. I'm being no, American. No, no, it's 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 illegal. Um, like being gay is illegal in Iran. It's like punishable by death type. Illegal, oh, I'm right? pretty. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So, but there's like a, some hardcore underground subculture. Of course. Um, of yeah. course. It's, it's the same. It's the same with um Hasidic Jews in. Oh man, do I have a story? I will not share that story. Every time, oh. 
Oh, wow. I'm not and, even going to go there. Entering the danger zone, all right. Oh, that yeah. story. Wow. All right, yeah, there's a whole counterculture of, like, gay Hasidic Jews in New York City. I'm sure. And, I'm sure. like, Hasidic Jews are, like, you know, the super religious. Like, they wear all the yeah, black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the cars have black pumpers. I lived in, I lived in Golders Green in uh, in London for a while, which is, like, the, the, the kind of center for Hasid- cool. Hasidic Jews. Amazing bagels. Yeah, um, of course. Best yeah. best bakeries in London are <laughs> Did in Golders Green. you get a bagel with, uh, with locks? Oh, God, locks, yeah. of course. Well, there was a... There was a bakery that was open there like 24 7 um so i'd come back from like uh nights out in in camden mm-hmm. and uh stop off at this bakery and get the get the bagel with the cream cheese and the locks nice it was, it was good although no one calls them locks outside of america i don't think you know i didn't know what the fuck locks were yeah and then they were like dude it's just uncooked salmon i went motherfucker why do you call it <laughs> locks i remember being like what the yeah. fuck is this this tastes great and then i was like it's just it's just pure salmon. salmon. Smoked went, salmon. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we'll end it here because I yeah, feel we, like it's time to end it. Go. And yeah, we just got hard ends. That's how we roll here. We, we, we're very transparent. We keep it real. We're not going to do some soft ending. Fuck that shit. It's, yeah. it's over, guys. It's over. But the if music, you, if, the if music's you, playing out right now. If you do want to hear more bike touring adventures, just, you know mention it in the comments I'm, I'm happy to do a round two even if it's a monologue even if Gar- Darren's uh, sick of hearing my shit on this we'll tell you to subscribe SRC subscribe rate comment do that share it with a friend and we appreciate you guys but there's no red team for this this episode because this what was the, the story did you go on a bike tour Phil <laughs> <laughs> this is a story I asked a lot of questions I hate bikes why would I ride around the world I just want to I just want to run Phil why would you ride your bike I just want to swim I'm an endurance swimmer we met a guy who was walking uh, like he was doing a walking tour like just walking for thousands of kilometers and he was a dick so. yeah just because you do something doesn't make you a nice person no and he he was like like heaping shade on bike touring he's like uh, oh all that equipment there's so much to go he was just oh man such a <laughs> oh you're dick. using you're using modern physics to propel you forward yeah I've got my legs such a dick <laughs> he was such a dick yeah anyway all good peace thank you so much Mr. Phil Cross hope that inspires someone out there to ride their bike really far please be safe and consult with someone you could hit up phil or us for any tips and tricks on something of this nature as phil is an expert in the show notes we'll have some links or you can email us talk some shit at masterofsomepod.com spelled the normal way we want that love and that hate or hit us up on the socials um all master of some pod at all the big ones feel free to subscribe rate and comment you know what's coming src anything that you like to hate it And thank you for all your support to all those listeners out there. Thank you so much. A bit of music to let you ride out into your next episode or wherever you're going. Peace.